of who you are, and um, and I pray that it, we just carry this with us throughout this week and throughout our lives, God. And I pray that we base our decisions on glorifying you, um, because you truly are an amazing God. We love you so much. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. So I always like to start out our study talking about the gospel. And so I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, which is an amazing section on the gospel and a a good idea, um, I think, to jump in to every study based on the gospel because we've said before that it is the ocean that we swim in. This is the reason why that we want to learn and grow and we can't really have a good understanding of God if we don't have a good understanding of the gospel. That's <clears throat> uh, the most important thing. And then from that, um, then we can we can grow and we can learn more and more about the God that we serve. So let's look at Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit. Who dwells in you. I mean, this is such a great passage on the gospel. We can see different uses of the law here, can't we? We can see that the law is not something that could save us. It cannot do anything for us. That keeping trying to keep the law, trying to earn salvation, trying to be, be better. Brandon talked about legalism today. Um, there's so many churches out there that this is what they teach. And people don't have sometimes the discernment to understand, you know, because you hear somebody teaching on difficult things, but it's all law, and, it, and there's no gospel in it, and, and people sometimes are prone to say, oh, well, that was such a good sermon, but was it? Was it? Because was the gospel brought up, or were you just told to do, or not to do, or to do, and not to do? And so many, of, so many are like that, but here we can see that that do, and what not to do, was already done, right? It was already done by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came in the flesh. It talks about he became one of us and he took all of our sins and and it was, our sins were imputed to him on the cross and his perfect righteousness was imputed to us. And so now the, the Holy Spirit here is at work in our lives. He's the one, that's why in verse 2 it's, he's called the spirit of life, right? He's the one that has brought life and that's what the the that's what Christianity is is it's true life because anybody who's not a Christian is really a dead person and the bible of course brings that out in Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how that we once were dead in our trespasses and sins and then of course we know that death continues for those who are not a believer and we have eternal death so it's called the second death in the book of revelation but here we can see that the Holy Spirit does the opposite of that. He takes a dead person and brings them to life. He gives life to people because of God's grace. And God's grace is such an amazing, wonderful gift. 
And so, because of that, Jesus Christ, it talks about here, indwells us. Does that, should that not just change everything? Just understanding that? That Jesus Christ indwells us? I mean, that is an amazing thing. And, and just to know that we belong to Him, and that's why that we have hope, that's why we have peace. This should be something that affects every decision of our lives. We just need to be reminded of this constantly. That's why it's so important for us to, to understand the gospel and to get started with this because it affects everything. It affects everything. So this is such a good, a good example of the gospel. Jesus Christ came. He died for us. He died so that we could be made righteous before a holy God. And now He lives in us. He lives in us. That's amazing. That's amazing. You guys have any thoughts or questions on that? Comments? We jump into our study. You know, if I've mentioned this before, you guys are, because I lose track of how long ago it was, but I was uh, was going to start to watch a movie at Patrick Swayze in it, and I thought, yeah, I'd really like to see him act, you know. Got into it, there's a lot of nudity, so I turned it off, and just God put on my heart, that's the Holy Spirit here with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it just, it brought home how many times we don't think about the Holy Spirit's right there. Yeah. What would we want him to see that we see or be a part of the, the things that we do? Yeah. Because um, it's so easy for us as humans to forget that. It and, is. Um, that's so critical that we, we realize that, that God is with us all the time. Yeah. So who would we invite, you know, would we invite God into our house, so to speak, to, to view or to do those things that we, that we do? Yeah. We, can't then we know that we're on the wrong track yeah that's that's right yeah it's it's a real question to ask yourself you know is would i be acting any differently if jesus christ was physically walking into this room and and sitting next to me and going to work with me tomorrow and sitting in my living room with me physically he's right there would i would anything in my life change would i act differently you know would i say things differently how would i respond to things you know, that's a good question to ask because he oh is. Yeah. <laughs> he is. You know? <laughs> that's right. When we're kids, we live like that because, I mean, you know, if our parents caught us doing something, we would be, you know, just devastated. And um, it's the same thing with, with God. It's, it's far greater. Yep. That's right. Well, what you were talking in here and the, the struggle that I see, and I met people like this, they get saved and immediately they get into the legalism. Yeah. And so then you start talking to them, well, I thought, well, everything's just black and white, you know. The way it's in the Bible, it's just black and white. And I'm like, it is, but you got to, don't forget about the grace part of it. you got to, you know, and I think that's a really big challenge. Yeah. Especially if you're coming out of a situation where you need structure in your life. It's way easier to follow the law than it is to follow the Spirit. Second thing is, many churches don't even teach about the Holy Spirit and that you have the source for that living with the grace. Mm -hmm. And that is the big, big mistake. So when people don't know, they go to the law. Yeah. Philip Yancey says it's much easier to go to live by a list of do's and don'ts than it is to love one another from hearts full of grace. Absolutely. I, I love that quote. Well, I remember churches used to have this whole list in the back of the hymnal of the do's and don'ts a long time yeah. ago. I mean, you had to get a degree with all that stuff, too. It wasn't just... Yeah. No movies, no dancing. <laughs> cards, cards were evil. I forget why. I don't know why they're <laughs> smoking, because they're all outside smoking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was a legalistic, you know, situation. And it's really hard to change that because it's institutionalized in the church. It well, really it's is. It's like what Brandon brought up this morning is that when you walk in the Spirit, you wait for God. And people don't want to wait. They can do the rules and regulations because then they can go on with their life and do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. But waiting on God to guide and direct means they have to really stay focused and wait yeah and, and be able to listen to what god and is, trust is saying and trust mm -hmm. yes versus controlling 
yeah. or yeah. the illusion of control. Illusion of control, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So. We're trying to help God. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why this study of sovereignty works. Yeah. Because if you don't believe he's sovereign, then you have no reason to wait on him. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because I can do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sovereign. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's you right. You want the best or you want whatever you can supply. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's all knowing who you really are, right? Yeah. Understanding who you are and understanding who God is. <laughs> and that's what we're doing here is we're trying to get into the sovereignty of God and, and try to get a better grip on that and understanding on how that God is sovereign. We talked um, a little bit last week about how that this is really a huge topic. It's a pretty long chapter. We can get into a lot of different things whenever we get into the sovereignty of God, but it really is one of the most comforting doctrines in all of Scripture when you really come to understand it and come to believe it. It's very comforting to understand that it's not not er, not everything rides on my shoulders, right? But God has this. He has it in control. He has everything in control. And so it's just my job to do the best that I can do to try to be like Christ, right? And so that's what we that's what sanctification is. And Brandon talked a little bit about sanctification today, but sanctification is a is a it's a really huge part of the in Christian life. Brandon talked about how that salvation is, um, it's all, uh, f- the, the, the foundation, the root of that is faith alone, in Christ alone. We understand that we cannot be saved without faith, and that faith has to belong to Jesus Christ, and that is God's grace, that he, he has given us that faith, and He is the one that has changed us, but as the tree grows, as we begin to mature, then we start to produce fruit. Now, these this is sanctification. That's what Brandon was talking about this this morning, talking a, a little bit about how that some people were getting that confused. I know he got buzzed by a bunch of people the last couple of weeks over um, people saying, Brandon, all you're doing is preaching grace, just grace, grace. A lot of people got some bad feedback. And so... Um, really? Legalistic kids? Yeah, and so, so, uh, and so that's why that he went into what he did this morning about but Brandon you know <laughs> that was he was talking to those people he was talking to those people but um, but what he said was correct but see we also we like to have that in the, we keep that within the church but we don't like to apply it outside of the church yeah and that's the problem yeah too. yeah yeah that's right that's and right even, even within our family because you know we want our kids to do certain things we want a timeline for this and that and for their life and make a plan and all that and and God is going to be sovereign whether it's what you want or not. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and God's sovereignty really is so comforting. It's also something that it, it's very divisive. It can be divisive because all Christians believe in God's sovereignty, but we're divided in the Christian faith on to, to what extent is God sovereign. And so that's where the that's where the disagreeing comes in, and sometimes people get very passionate about that, and it can cause a lot of trouble. So there's been church splits over this very topic. There's been real problems that have happened in church history over the sovereignty of God, and it's things that just ought not be, because we are all a part of the body of Christ, and we all belong to Jesus. Last week we talked about how that it's important for us to have the primary doctrines and to agree on those. We cannot divide over primary doctrines, which is faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, by God's grace alone. It's found in the scripture alone, for the glory of God alone, right? These are the things that we have to agree on, um, something that we cannot divide on and still be able to, to remain, felt to be fellowship with, among one another, because these are essential doctrines. Then we have secondary issues, which we can still fellowship and and we cannot may may not agree on. And so there's many different um, theologies in this church that's that's come together, and we and everybody has some different ideas on secondary issues. But that should really not ever be something that we get so upset about that we're like, well, I'm just not going to fellowship anymore with you. <laughs> you know, it should never get to that extent. Because we all love one another, and that's and it's just a shame to see you know churches divide over this. And all throughout church history, we've seen that. 
Um, but um, but we should. Doesn't that become legalism? That becomes legalism. Yeah. 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 You don't believe exactly what I say you should. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you're not believing. You're not believing what I believe about God, and so, <laughs> you know, and it's on a secondary issue. So yeah, so we we started last week and we got to page 101. We kind of got started. We we talked a little bit about that and we talked about how that that human beings don't have true true autonomy. Only God has true autonomy because God is the only one who can work completely independent with no outside forces whatsoever affecting his decisions. All of his decisions are perfect. We looked at how that he works in Ephesians chapter 1 we see that there was a council um, that was within the Trinity so we're bringing the Trinity back into the conversation and then his will comes out of this council his purpose is is put forth and then this talks about being predestined in uh, Ephesians 1:11. so we can see how that these things begin to work and operate and how God starts to put these things into order and into play and then we talked about how that Satan is not um, Someone, he's not someone that has any sovereignty whatsoever. He doesn't have any power. He's the one that was spoken into existence by God. And so we should never fear Satan because he has no power over us unless God uses him like he did in Job. And we talked about how the God sometimes does that. Um, even ask Satan to consider my servant Job <laughs> in that situation, which is something that Terrible, yeah. <laughs> so, but 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 still, God was still in control in that situation, and everything worked out. Because it's not like God didn't know how Job was going to respond, right? God knew what was going to happen, and I guarantee you, right now, how many years has that been? Four thousand years ago, maybe longer. Probably more like six, because they they say that was one of the first books. Could have been four to four to six thousand years ago. Yeah, I guarantee you right now, Job is probably not very upset with God. <laughs> 6,000 years later, he's he's probably pretty happy right now. What do you think? I think all that stuff is like, oh, yeah. Speed bump. Speed bump. That's right. So we began to look at that, and we got to this place on 101 where we said we we're going to be looking at God's sovereignty in three different areas. We're going to look at his sovereignty in creation, in his sovereignty in history, and in his sovereignty in salvation. So we're going to get into all that. The first thing we're going to look at tonight is God was sovereign in creation and over creation. God was sovereign in creation and over creation, right? So Psalm 33:6 says, "By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts." And of course, we know that this comes from Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is one of our primary examples and of, of the sovereignty of God and how all this stuff began. And I've got a point here that says it should be obvious to all believers that God was sovereign in creation. God created his creatures and is the only one who has complete authority to do with them as he pleases. And we're going to get into some, some kind of more challenging things in a minute. But um, I want to read... Genesis 1 real quick because there's some stuff in here. I went through and just started outlining in Genesis 1.1. I started underlining in my Bible how many times that it talked about God said. And this just shows how that God was in control. And I just, as I read this, begin just, just take note of how many times that it says that God said, you know, that God is sovereign in everything that, that's done in this whole situation. So, look at verse 1, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. <laughs> that's an amazing statement right there, right? Just that. And that goes back to the aseity of God that we just talked about. That God was in the beginning. He was before anything was created. That he's self-existent. That there's nothing that sustains him. That he is the true being, right? That he is the only being in the universe that is completely self-sufficient, that's self-sustaining, that doesn't depend on anything, right? Where all these creatures do. And so in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created. <laughs> that's another, we can stop right there. In the beginning, God created. 
That's it, right? He created. He created everything. God created. He's at action. He's at work. He created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, here he's, he, he's doing something here too, he was moving over the surface of the, of the waters. And then look at verse 3. Then God said, <laughs> right? He's speaking through sovereignty. He's speaking things into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And then here we see God separated. Again, God's sovereignty at work. He separated the light from the darkness. Look at verse 5. God called. <laughs> God called the light, the light day and the darkness. And then he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Look at verse 6. Then God said, <laughs> again, God's sovereignty at work. Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And then look at verse 7. God made, God made the expanse and separated the waters which was below, and the expanse from the waters which was above the expanse, and it was, and it was so. Look at verse 8. God called, <laughs> God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. Verse 9. Then God said, again, he's speaking things into existence, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Verse 10, God called, <laughs> again, God called the, the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters, and then it, he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit, trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seeds in them and it was so the earth brought forth vegetation plants yielding seed after their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind and God saw that it was good there was evening and there was morning a third day verse 14 then God said again we see God at action God at work God sovereignty speaking things into existence let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so, verse 16, God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them. <laughs> God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God, God saw that, that it was good. Then there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. Verse 20, Then God said, again, God at action, God at work, God's sovereignty, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of heaven. Verse 21, God created, God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then here, here he is, he, in verse 22, he's at work again. God blessed them. He blessed them. This is showing his sovereignty again. Saying, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. Verse 24, then God said, <laughs> again, God said, his sovereignty at work, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. Look at verse 25. God made. Man, he's doing a lot of work here, isn't he? This is really showing his sovereignty. God made the beasts of the earth, earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. This shows God's sovereignty over everything. He said, let's make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the seas, given direction to everything. He's sovereign, showing how that everything has a purpose. Everything has an assignment, and he's the one that's giving that assignment, right? So, 
Let them rule over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, God created man. God created man. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female. He created them. It says that three times in that one verse. You think he's trying to get it something through to us. God blessed them. Again, he's at work. This is his sovereign plan, his sovereignty at work. He is a blessing. He's at action. He's working. He blessed them. And then God said to them, now he's given instructions, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29, then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is just a barrage, just an overwhelming amount of sovereignty that we see. God has created everything. He's sovereign over every little detail, over every little thing. And then man says, no, I'm sovereign. No, I'm sovereign. I decided with my two-pound brain that I know more than God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is just, I mean, we see this, and, and we see how many times, I counted 28 things, 28 times here, that God had said something or moved or was at work sovereignly over everything. 28 times in this one chapter. It just screams sovereignty that God is in charge. And who are we? Oh man, that we should counsel God, right? Who are we? We are just His creatures. We're just His that we're just His creation. It's amazing that He loves us so much. I mean, it really is. It's, it's amazing that He loves us and came and He died for us. What an amazing thing! Amazing thing. So, this is just. Well, where we are now, though, is people only attribute natural disasters to God. And they're even taking that away. They're saying, well, that's climate change. That's nothing to do with God. Yeah. And so the sovereignty of God is continuous. It was not just in creation. It's continuous. That's right. All the way till we have a new heaven and new earth. That's right. And see, that's the thing people don't want to believe <coughs> is that it's continuing throughout time. That's right. Because what you just described is what we've, what we've talked about a couple of times in this class, which is called deism, right? Deism, yeah. where God just created everything, kind of stepped back, said, this will be interesting, kind of folded his arms and goes, huh, check that out, you know, this is, kind of entertain himself, he didn't really know what's going to happen, you know, and not really in control of it all, just, yeah, wow, oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're right. There is a very bad view of God, and it's that. Yeah, and people. That's, yeah. that's why there has to be. God has to bring disasters that are so bad that there's nothing that man can do to change it. And um, because that's the only way that, if it, for those who are going to admit that they are not in control, that's that's when it happens. Whether it's sickness or whether it's disasters of nature or wars or whatever. But, uh, yeah, because man is so stupid, he thinks that he can solve everything himself. That's right. Full of pride. Just like Satan, right? We can handle, we can handle this, God. You just stay up there. We see that even when we're, when we're kids. When, you know, the little, no, I don't want you to help me. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's a the disaster and Okay, maybe you could help me a little bit. <laughs> but that's, that is us. From the time we're a little, you know, 
hopefully we get over it. Well, then, you know, these same people, they refer to God as the big man in the sky. Yeah. Right. Not here with us. Yeah. Not here in control. Not here sovereign. Right here in this room with us right now. It's just this big man up in the sky. He's far removed from us. You know, this is just, uh, this is our world, and he's just up there looking down on us. You know, and that's... It's so disrespectful to call it Mother Earth. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not our mother. No, it's not. So, no, I think that's not. why Christ's coming and suffering and dying was so important for, them, for us to realize God knows what we go through. He is among us. He's not distant. Amen. He's a Amen. part of it all. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, that, that middle song about God being in the distance, I forget what it happened. Oh, from a distance, everything yeah, yeah. looks better than it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it, but I don't think I want to. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a quote here from R.C. Sproul There are no maverick molecules in the universe. And that's really a profound statement, if you really think about it. It is a very profound statement. There is no maverick molecules in the universe. What he's saying is there's, there's nothing, not even the slightest little molecule that's outside of God's control. If there was, then that one little thing that was outside of God's control would be more powerful than God, right? Like it would be sovereign. It's like the video you showed. Yeah. It has to be right there. Yep, that's right, that's right. You think of God's sovereignty moving everything in a direction. We see God's sovereignty, we read of how that it was, it was pre-planned before the foundation of the earth that Jesus Christ would come and die for us. So we see all these, we see these wheels in motion. We see the, the book of Revelation, how that all things are coming to a close and God has this perfect plan Everything's moving in a perfect direction, and it's exactly at the at the right time. Just as it says, at the right time, Christ came, yeah. and He died for us. It wasn't, you know, oh, you know, I missed that by ten years, you know, oops, or a hundred years, you know, oops. No, it was at the right time. It was on time. It was the perfect time. It was God's time. It's whenever He said it was going to happen, and it didn't happen a second after or a second before. Because he's in charge of everything, and so if there's a maverick molecule somewhere loose in the in the universe, it's something that could stop God's plan or change it, right? And so that's why this is really a profound statement. Because if there's something outside of God's control floating around there in the universe, it could come into those wheels that are turning and stop them or change their direction. And so it's such a it's such an important thing to understand. There are no maverick molecules in the universe. God is in control. He's in charge of every detail, every little thing. There's nothing that he isn't in control of, right? Nothing. So it's that's really hard to understand how scientists cannot believe in God. Mm -hmm. Just from all of the scientific stuff and how things work and how all the different parts of chemistry and it's just it's just so amazing how things that God is even allowing us to discover to to do things now. I mean, yeah. yeah. It means that they have to suck God. Yeah. It's Which not as though they, they couldn't believe or don't believe those things are not by chance. They just, just don't they want to. They aren't going to accept that God's the one who created them. Because they love their sin. Yeah. Because that, yeah, they have to admit they're a sinner. They yeah. don't do it themselves. That's right. That's right. I'm amazed sometimes at Christian people. You know, even I, even my parents have said things along these lines. Well, God, you know, there'd be a, a, a natural disaster. You know, something bad, hurricane or tornado or earthquake, and, and we get to talking about that, and they say something about you know we need to be praying against Satan and all these things, and I'm like, I'm like. Don't you believe in the sovereignty of God? And they're like, God doesn't do these kind of things. This is Satan's work. You know, God doesn't have anything to do with it. This is the devil. <laughs> and so people want to blame everything on the devil as if the devil 
has equal power to God and that God can't do anything about it. That God's just like, oh, I can't do anything about that, you know. That's, that's making Satan sovereign instead of God. Uh, yeah, we know that Satan does terrible things, but God's still sovereign over Satan. He's going to allow Satan to do it. And, and that kind of ideology, too, is, is, uh, can be dangerous because then they don't realize man is the one, really, who allows Satan to do what he's, he's doing under, with God's permission because it's our sins that give Satan the power. And yeah. damage creation. Yeah. Our sin damage creation, yeah. so we yeah. don't create yeah. yeah. I'm always amazed, personally, when there is a baby tornado or some natural disaster, I'm amazed how few people are hurt yeah. or killed. It's yeah. it's amazing to me. I, I like see God's hand. I mean, these things come, and it shows his His power and his um, glory, but it's like he, he puts his hand of protection even mm -hmm. so, because yeah. there's times when, I mean, I'm like, man, are you kidding me? Only eight people, and you see this stream of a tornado just destruction everywhere. For three and you're people like, in a metropolitan how, area. Yeah. How on yeah. earth? I mean, that is just mm -hmm. the Lord putting His hand on and, and allowing people to survive that because they shouldn't have. And it's it's amazing to me. But yeah, yeah if people they have to make it global warming, be, warming because otherwise they'd have to know that it. The Bible said uh, sin will cause these. They're going to get worse and worse. They're going to get bigger and badder mm -hmm. because of sin, not because of anything else. And they don't, people don't want to hear that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you're absolutely right. God's grace. Yeah. yeah. And all the rocks that fall <clears throat> down the road, I'm like, man, Lord, you really, I mean, it's amazing more people aren't killed yeah. driving on I-70 or wherever. Because I see them all the time. I'm like, wow, look at that. And yeah. it's crazy. Just yeah. them down during the middle of the night, but nobody's yeah. there or something. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, they had a bad tornado in Jonesboro, Arkansas, which mm -hmm. is where we're from. Just um, what three years ago, I think. And it and Jonesboro is about like Grand Junction. You guys can picture Grand Junction, and if you know the main part of Grand Junction where all the restaurants and everything is. That's where the tornado hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, it hit and it just destruction all right. I mean, you can imagine it's right through town. Just there's mall, big, huge mall, just destroyed. You know, Target destroyed. You know, just everything. Nobody died. That's Zero. And I'm like, how? I mean, yeah. You look at that and you go, that is amazing. That's amazing. But that's God's common grace, right? He has grace on people even if they're lost. And that's God reigning on the just and as well as the unjust. Yeah. Absolutely. And his body is activated, hopefully, and his mercy and grace is shown to people through believers in this. It is a miracle, people, you know, because I was in Florida, we had a Cat 5, and when that happens, everybody has to come together, everybody has to help each other, and it's just amazing how people can get along in that situation. You know? Yeah. And thank goodness for Facebook. Because there's like no America. other communication. <laughs> kind of like 9-11, you know. Yeah. We actually felt like America for a week. <laughs> yeah, for a short time. For a yeah. short time. That's right. Felt, yeah. felt like part of something. I bet you're about to move on, but could I read one little passage here? Absolutely. Uh, Colossians 1, beginning at 15, speaking of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And it goes on to show that he's preeminent in the church. And, yeah. And that, but that is an amazing verse, especially mm -hmm. that last part. Right. All things hold together. It's not the laws of nature. It's the character of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's right. It keeps everything together. That's right. And when he came, he grew the tree he would die on. He created the man that would, mm -hmm. you know, he, he made all of the situational things. So at the right time, like that would all come together. It's just, <laughs> 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 
It is. It really is. He gives breath to the man who curses him. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. We have to use that breath just to breathe out cursing. Mm -hmm. And he's the one giving us that breath. <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's amazing. You know? yeah, well, and, and to take that, <clears throat> that language on the cross, if you were God, save yourself. And, you know, to put up with that kind of stuff from man, even at that time, takes extreme grace. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it probably makes each one of us go. I'm really glad I'm not God, <laughs> because the rest of you can be too. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, not too many people would survive. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, the next point here says because God is sovereign in creation, He is sovereign over His creation. So we can see if anybody has a right. <clears throat> to their creation is the creator because God has created all things he has the right to do with all things as he pleases and as he wills right and so we can see that we can't really argue against that we can't argue and say but God that's not fair we can't we can't get into all these different things where we try to reason with him uh, because he has created everything we read, and it's just amazing reading through Genesis and seeing how that everything was perfectly designed, perfectly spoken into existence. And then it makes us go, you know, who am I? Who am I, right? To, to argue with God or to say anything about but God. Because we know His character. If we're Christians, we know His love. We know His mercy. We know His grace. And we know that He's working all things together for us who love Him, right? And so... We believe him. We believe him. And this is really a very, very hard concept for us to understand because in Scripture, we see sometimes God killing people, right? Sometimes an entire planet. So I've got a question here in 102. It says, Is it a sin, or it is a sin for us to kill, but is it a sin for God to kill? No, God doesn't sin. That's right. Man's motivation, except for you know, actually putting someone to death who's killed someone, God has given that guideline. Um, but man's motivation normally in killing is out of selfishness, pride, when they can gain mm -hmm. control. Yeah. But God doesn't have those type of emotions. His is a righteous judgment. That's right. Um, and even though we, you know, we think of. Um, like when the children of Israel, and I mean, the whole family. And it's just like, what did, the question was always, why did family have to die? He's the one yeah. who did it. But God knows yeah. they were, their hearts were not right either. Yeah. Uh, it was a righteous judgment. He doesn't put to death someone who's innocent. Yeah. And we've got to know that. Yeah, Korah. Yeah. Yeah, the earth's opening up and <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty and amazing. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Well, and even the things that we talk about, and which is very controversial, people say, well, people never hear the, hear the word and they die and go to hell. Well, that's God's plan. They know, yeah. yeah. But I mean, everybody knows about God. So that's, that's the thing. Somebody says, well, they never, you know, no missionary came around and talked to them. They never went to church. They never had... What does it say that, you know, man knows? I mean, even creation itself teaches a person yeah. about God. I mean, you know, everybody, and plus we have our conscience, everybody knows about, they may not know all the details like we know, yeah. but they know mm -hmm. God is not going to put to death someone who is, is ignorant of the truth. Yeah. Is, uh, Romans 1, right? He judges them for yeah. where they are, just like those who are, are without the law, are judged without the law. Those who have the law are judged by the law. So. Yeah, all men are without excuse, it says, because of yes. creation. Yeah. They can look and see that there is a God because of the all the, the amazing details of 
of the creation. Well, if, if they didn't know, then why do, through history, why have people made their idols and created their gods and whether they're a physical evidence or whether they just say that they're up there? Why do they do that if they don't know or don't understand the need for a god? So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Satan. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be worshipped. He wants he wants anything other than us to worship God. So, yeah, yeah, that's it's an interesting. It's it is an interesting topic for sure, for sure. Otherwise, that would make God unjust. Yeah. Somebody could say, "Well, I never had the chance." I mean, you know, God, you're judging me. You're, you're casting me to hell, and I, I didn't even know that you existed, or that there was a need for a God. I mean, yeah. how, how can you believe in a God like that? Right. I, I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are good points. Yeah, and this all pulls into that common grace that we talked about a little bit. Um, and we can, we can see even God's sovereignty in common grace, right? Mm -hmm. We can even see that because he's given... Um, a certain amount of grace to the world and we have to say well what is grace you know what's grace undeserved favor merit given to us undeservedly yeah yeah it's something that we cannot earn it's something that is something that we do not deserve and so we say well common grace is a grace that is common to mankind that mankind does not deserve right but there's a um, a reason that he has given common grace even to people who don't believe in him or curse him and that is to keep this world basically from destroying itself right because the world would destroy itself if God just let people be as wicked as they truly are so there is a, a limit to that and we can see that also in Romans 1 to where God begins to remove common grace you know first with the uh, the first judgment is whenever he says, oh, you guys are, are wicked, you want to do what you want to do, I'm just going to let you give, give it over to, to just, you know, being sexually impure. And so he kind of, that's, that's funny because, you know, that's not, God isn't judging because they're, they're sexually impure. Being sexually impure is actually a judgment. If you look at it in, in Romans chapter 1, that's the judgment. And so we saw that, you know, people start having sex outside of marriage, and we start, they start having that kind of thing. That's actually a judgment. <laughs> That's a judgment of God. And then, because they still didn't repent, he goes on to the next step, right? The next judgment, homosexuality, right? That's not, God isn't given judgment because of homosexuality. Homosexuality is a judgment. Now, he did give judgment. He does, ultimately. He did with Sodom and Gomorrah. But we can see in Romans that that itself is a judgment of God. And then he goes on to the next step, giving them over to a depraved mind, right, to where they cannot discern right from wrong, which is, I think, where we're at today in America. Um, yeah, and so we can see that that is common grace. That's God saying, I'm going to move my hand back a little bit and give you over to this. Okay, I'm going to take my hand back further. I'm going to give you over to that. And finally, he's like, I'm going to give you over to the depraved mind. I'm, I'm pulling common grace. I'm just pulling it out, right? I'm giving you over to what you want to do. So we can see common grace is, is really the thing. The whole, and still, there's still an element of common grace, right? Even to the depraved mind. Um, or we would ultimately destroy one another. So this is God's sovereignty. All of this is God's sovereignty. He is sovereign over the, these things. He's sovereign over removing it. He's sovereign over giving it. So, and he does it, you know, by um, his own will and the way that he wants these things to work out. That's why I heard people say, well, why doesn't God interfere? Why doesn't he stop it before it gets that, you know? For two things, people have to learn their lesson. People have to have their judgment. And in the end, when God judges people for eternity is that he will be proven righteous in his judgment. It will be deserved because I've given you every opportunity in so many different ways, you know, to accept the truth, and you refused. So, and that includes Satan. 
say you can't say, well, if you'd only let me do so and so well, you had your chance. Look what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and you think, like I said, I think God does get involved. I tell people that, like, oh, why would God let that happen? I'm like, but look at what he, he did. He allowed people to live when nobody should have. Like, yeah. a lot of people shouldn't be living. So yeah. he, it happened, but yeah. he was there. So when people say, well, why is God, why isn't he there? It's like, well, I think he was there. And if you think about it, um, a lot more people probably should have died in that, that mm -hmm. type of an event or that catastrophe. There's been so many of them. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, for real. <laughs> it's a good thing that God doesn't give us what we deserve. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <coughs> That's for sure. Yeah, it's we see. It's been interesting to me about how God allows man to be so evil against man and um, I know in the past sometimes where I used to work and people would talk about some of this stuff and I'm like I said that some of these people literally are possessed by Satan because they're going beyond what any normal human being would do to hurt other people so Satan is alive and active in the world. Yeah. And God is allowing that. And we get upset about that. But we're not in charge. But it's really hard if somebody has been hurt by something they feel that God should not have allowed to happen to them. Very, very difficult for them to become a believer. <laughs> you know? What's truly amazing is that God saves anybody. Yeah, it is. That's what's yeah. truly amazing. Yeah. You know, you think you think that's you think that, that you know. I always look at it like God. He's he gets blamed for for all these bad things, mm -hmm. but people never see that these bad things are who we are because the the sin nature is God's grace that keeps us from being more, much worse. Mm -hmm. And what's even more amazing is that God reaches down and saves some of us. I mean, that's just, that's what's really, truly amazing. Uh, that's what is harder to understand than why does evil things happen. Mm -hmm. you know? God remembers that we are like dust. Yeah, why does anything good happen? That's the question. <laughs> why does anything good happen? That's why he doesn't work on emotions. It's good that he doesn't work on emotions because... Yeah, if he had yeah. passions like we do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it would have ended at the very beginning. <laughs> Day two. There was a commercial on TV while we were getting ready to go over there and it said, I want to help you get the insurance coverage you deserve. And I thought, oh no! <laughs> Don't give me what I deserve! <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, we see God's sovereignty in all these things, even in common grace, but we also see God's sovereignty in justice. You know, we see His sovereignty in the way that He handles things and um, things that, that are far beyond our understanding, you know, such as the flood where He just wipes out mankind, all except for one family, you know. So we see His justice, and we see it again in the book of Revelation, um, where, where He... He takes out the entire planet except for a few. And so God create he creates. And so since he creates, we read that, and that's why I stress that so much. God created, right? God called, God said. Um, because he did that, then he's the owner. He's the owner of these things, right? He's the owner of, of all things because he created all things. And so, you know, one of the things that I think can help us. Uh, you know, I used to work at the at the police department and it was a crime for somebody to take a baseball bat to their neighbor's car. But it wasn't a crime for somebody to take a baseball bat to their own car. And there was times where I would get called out to somebody who owned a vehicle and was married 
and his wife beat his truck to pieces, busted it all up, but she's owner. <laughs> and so I show up and I'm like, she can beat her own truck up. That's <laughs> not against the law. She owns it. Now, if she beat somebody else's truck up, she'd be going to jail, right? Because ownership is everything, right? Ownership is everything. And we can see the same thing whenever we're thinking about God, right? Ownership is everything, and God owns everything. He has the right to do what he wants to do, right? That's right. Very good. You guys got any thoughts on that? It's, it's like a movie. It's called Father Stu. And, I mean, he's this wild guy, but he meets this girl. He wants to just, you know, to do everything right in so that he can marry her because she's such a, a, a good person. Well, in the process, he just he ends up deciding that he's going to become a priest. And I mean, he's pouring out his heart to yeah. God because he really wants to do this. He gets sick, and it is a muscle condition that, I mean, he can't even go through the ceremony to become a priest because he can't stand. And he calls out to God and says, why, if you, why did you call me to do this and I'm not going to allow me to be what you've called me to be? And... Uh, and even though I don't agree with Catholic way of doing things, but still, uh, his roommate and, and a priest actually taking and putting before the altar so that he could do this ceremony. And it shows how he is talking to people in his little crude way, you know, getting them to understand the truth. And I mean, he is teaching truth. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the love of God. And it shows this long line of people outside the church coming in to, to talk to him. God did a Remember, this is just a story. God is doing doing this tremendous work through him in his debilitating, dying state. And like you're saying, God can do anything. We He owns us. We are his. And we've got to let him do his work in us, knowing that it's going to work for good. And um, and that's hard, because mm -hmm. no one wants to be sick. No one wants to be dying. Yeah. We want what we want. And being willing to let God use us however it turns out is hard. It but is. it is important if we really love him and we believe and trust in him. Yeah. And, uh, I just I just pray, God don't use me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Find somebody who's a little stronger than <laughs> <laughs> But it's so but it's so comforting too whenever you are faced with difficult things. Yeah. To realize that he is sovereign. Yeah that he's in control, that everything's going to be fine, one way or the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One way or the other, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And he, was a, he was a happy man. It's a true story. And, I mean, he was a happy person, you know. Mm. He fulfilled his desire to serve God. <coughs> Question. How would you distinguish between the way sovereignty has been talked about, between sovereignty and control over will being asserted that we live to an outcome. How would you distinguish between that and God creating robots that don't have anything to do with outcomes right. themselves? So yeah. what, what's the distinction there? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, that all goes back to that chapter that we covered on the wills of God, understanding that God has different types of wills that are carried out in scripture and so we we know that he has um a will this one of the wills of god is this book right and so he tells us what his will is in this book for us to to do and to obey um but we don't have to right we can we can choose not to we can choose to say no you know, I'm not going to, to do that. I'm not going to listen to this book. So we have, we, we have freedom to, to even, with, even as a Christian, there's, there's things that we have not done that we should have done, right? Even though we knew it was the will of God to do that. Um, and God, or He ordains that we can do that. And that's where we get to the doctrine of how that He ordains all things. So when you start looking at how He ordains... He ordains in that 
he allows it to happen because he is sovereign over everything. So uh, even evil, even bad things, he is he has ordained uh, that evil exists. He's ordained it. He he's not the author of it. He's not the one that causes it. He's not the author of evil, but he ordained that it can happen, right? And so we can we can see that there is a sense in which there is a lot of, of freedom, especially when it comes to depravity. Um, and so scripture scripture really talks about how that that people are are free to to operate within um, what their strongest desires are, and what their strongest desires are is is wickedness. And so that's why that the world is given over to that. But even that is even limited to a degree because we're talking about common grace. So there is uh, even a degree to where depravity is even controlled you know, to to a degree to where even God puts a cap on it and says, no, you know. I'm not going to let you be as evil as you want to be, and or as you truly are. So, and that's common grace. So, <clears throat> because of all these things, you know, and and how that it that it, that it works, then um, I, there's a huge difference between just being a robot and being um, in God's sovereignty over everything, and how that He's in control of everything, yet allows freedom to happen within certain things to a limited degree, so a limited type of freedom, right? So, um, I, I see there being a, a pretty big distinction there, if that yeah. answers your well, question. Because he knows our heart, so and our heart takes us where it's going to take us, and he knows yeah. our heart, so. Well, yeah. He's he transforming it day by day, too. Yeah. And he can turn your, the heart, yeah. you know, so. So our desires are more like his. That's your, what's your you know what you're talking about too though the desire of man man is very willing to turn over his life to technology so the robot part of it that's happening in our world today is because man wants it and I don't see a lot of it for good I, th I think what he's saying is like us being a robot. I know. Yeah. I know what you're saying, but we yeah. are we are becoming more like that. Yeah. Because we're yeah. we're give, letting our choices be made by other things. Yeah. And yeah. so then, who do we blame that for? Right. It was us. Yeah. That was willing to give up those things. Yeah. And when they so, take over, they, there is going to be no more choice. Yeah. Right. With God, it, it, like, like you're putting out, is our heart. We willingly want to, what God has to offer because it brings us joy. Even in the suffering, we have joy. We have peace. Mm -hmm. And so we're never a robot. Right. It is yeah. just making our, making our choice for God to work in us and to do his will. And we do that willingly. Because we know it's good. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it's um, yeah. there's no downside to it. Yeah. But when you're talking about the world, it doesn't give you a choice. You have mm -hmm. no free will. You. Well, it which, says which this is what you you're going to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. And even without even knowing what you're getting into, a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have to be really yeah. aware of what's happening in yeah. that regard. And then you get into God's decreed will, which shall come to pass, right? Right. So, and that's, you know, what, that's Bible prophecy, that's all these things that, a lot of these things that we're talking about. So there's different wills of God, and God's decreed will shall come to pass. It will happen, no matter what. And there's nobody that can say no to that. And so, but, but your question, you can really dig very, very, you can drill deep into that question. And if you, if you drill deep enough into that question, you get beyond what I can explain. You, you get, you get uh, to, to a, a level to where I, I can't even comprehend. Because you can get into some pretty deep stuff if you drill deep enough into that. If we look at, like, at, at Moses, so he didn't want to go and be the spokesman. I can't do this. Right. It's not possible. I can't talk. And we'll give you someone to speak for you. Yeah. So he goes. He has that choice. He goes. And of course, then we see he's talking all over the place. 
you know, because, <laughs> yeah. Because God's the only one that, telling him he's the one he's going to talk to. He better get up the mountain. But he has this desire <laughs> to do it now. Right. His, as he has more confidence and is not looking so much at himself, he has a desire. He freely does all these things. And even through all the trouble, he didn't say, well, God, okay, he gave me the Ten Commandments. I destroyed the talents because of the people's wickedness. Forget it. I am going back home. No. He goes back up the mountain and he gets more tablets. So you see this change that God didn't force him up the mountain. His heart was right, and so he did it. I mean, so there's that free will. But where he was going, like we talked about the decreed will of God, it was God's will that he, you know, take these people out of Egypt and that he'd be in the wilderness and that he, he does various things. Mm -hmm. But... You know, it's because his heart is right. He really does it. But God's will is he takes him because God has work to do. But, uh, but yeah, we're never, we're never robots. God doesn't, even when somebody says, well, I didn't want to go there, but God made it end up that that's where I was. But you'll see that that person will say, I'm glad God brought me here. Yeah. I see that now. So, I mean, he's, he's never... Even though it appears up front that he's forcing that person to do something, not really. He just knows that that when the person gets the picture, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. So. And there are things. I think there are things that's outside of, of what we comprehend too, and God yeah. working like with, in especially providence. When we get to God's providence and how that He directs us and moves us to do things, yeah. you know. And so that's that's another conversation. Well, it's like Moses going and interceding for the Israelites because God was ready to wipe them all out. Yeah. So he went and interceded for him knowing that God could do whatever he wanted. And, you know, that whole section where it's that back and forth, but, but you know, if you do this, the Egyptians are going to say this about you. <laughs> I mean, it's just so interesting that whole dialogue that he's yeah. having with God when God knows the plan is all the way through, even though he says he wants to destroy yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. God's sovereign will is going to take place. Right. But He, yeah. there's certain things that he does to help us to see these things. Yeah. 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 So absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're past time. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's easy to get past time whenever we're talking about the sovereignty of God, for sure. So next week we'll jump into God is Sovereign in History and Providence. So we'll talk a little bit about Providence, but we have a whole chapter on Providence later. But we'll talk a little bit about that next week. I think of course his question too, when we get a little further in, we're talking about the predestination part of things. Yeah. And <laughs> then that's where the challenge is going to come up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you talk about whether it's a, we're robots or not. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And that has to be answered. Sometimes it would be nice to be a robot, wouldn't it? <laughs> Do I have to make another decision? I know. <laughs> Why don't you just make it happen? Can't you yeah. just take this desire away from me? That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we have to deal with. That's right. That's right. It's tough being a human. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, Steve, do you dismiss? Just come before you more and more astounded by who you are as we look now at your sovereignty, the way that uh, you work in us and through us, uh, allowing us choice and yet bringing your will about God. Our little brains can't put it all together and that's actually fine because you're trustworthy God. We just uh, love you and we just keep asking that you teach us to love you more. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, guys.